Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. Just a couple bits of news before we get into the show. Um, the Board Game Workshop is now part of the Indie Game Report. So if you're a new listener that found us through the Indie Game Report, welcome to the show. You can check out the Indie Game Report at theindiegamereport.com. Uh, they do reviews, videos. We're their first podcast, so we're learning as we go, but should be exciting and should help us get a lot more content for you on the show. Now, on to the show. This episode is a little different. I got to go to the Boston Festival of Indie Games, and the Boston Festival of Indie Games, also known as BFIG or Boston Fig, uh, is an interesting event. Um, it's a little different than your standard convention or even an unpub or protospiel where it's half digital and half tabletop games. I focused mostly on the tabletop games, but it has a showcase of new games. They can be published or not yet published, so there's a variety of different states. Some are very much in the prototype state and still looking for feedback. Others have already been published but have just recently been released. Um, it's all independent designers, and you have to submit your game ahead of time and make it through several levels of judging to get a table at the event. But once there, you get to show off your game. It's a very large crowd. I presented it a couple of years ago with one of my games, and it's nonstop people that want to play your game, learn about it. It's a great time. It's really good publicity for any up-and-coming designers and new games. So enjoy. I'm here with... Zachary Huff. And what's your game, Zach? My game is Donner's Point, and it is a game about selling frozen explorers. So, you know, pretty typical theme. Uh, it raises a little eyebrows, a couple eyebrows. And how's the game play? So the game plays with... Um, so, um, you have five days to earn as much money as you can, and the way that you do that is by trying to match the missing persons report for each day. And you'll do that each day by rolling four of the dice with different characteristics, setting up the hair color, eye color, what color jacket they have, and if they have a backpack or not. And that's the person that we're looking for for that round. And you'll have a hand of three ice cubes in which you'll have those characteristics, hoping to match as many as you can. For each that you match at the end of the round, you'll wind up with one stack of cash. But just because it says at the beginning of the round doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. We have six locations to get through. Uh, one location, the ice cube fields allows you to draw an extra card so you have more options and then you don't have to play your face down ice cube until the end of the round so you can see how things get messed up and play at the end. Then you have the missing persons office which is you can just reroll one, two, all the dice however you see fit. Cause total chaos. People usually usually give you dirty looks when you take that one. Daily Donner you can just take one dice, set it to a die face, you're done. Usually you want that if you're close. Or you can go to the diner and just sell your ice cubes at the diner, don't ask questions, get three stacks of cash. And we also have the butcher shop, where you can discard another one of your ice cubes, take something from it, for example, if it has blue eyes, take those and just kind of add it to your ice cube to make it more closely matched to the missing person. And then after all that's done, you check to see how many you have, you get one stack for each characteristic you match up with, the missing person's report dice, wherever they wind up. And do that for five rounds, see who has the most money after all that. Cool. And uh, what are your plans for release of this or going forwards? Uh, at this point, design and devel development is done. I'm looking to try to get it published. And any contact info if people want to follow along with this game coming out? Sure. Uh, you can look me up on Twitter at Zach Huff Games. That's probably the best way to do that. Cool. Thank you very much.
Thanks. I'm here with... Uh, Stephen Dewey from Cavalry Games. Uh, and I'm here with my tabletop tragic horror role-playing game, Ten Candles. Um, this is a release game. It came out late 2015. Um, and this is a game where uh, you play a group of survivors in the middle of a horrible apocalypse of some kind, uh, trying to survive as best you can. Uh, the game is played by the light of ten tea-like candles. And when the last candle goes out, all of the characters meet to their grisly end. So it's not, not your daddy's a survival horror game. This is a tragic horror game of characters that we know are destined to fail. Um, but it's about what they can accomplish before they get there. Um, this game is currently available for sale on CavalryGames.com, um, and uh, you can also find me. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Ten Candles or on Twitter at ShiftyGinger.com. Cool. So, uh, typical game would it be just a one shot? Yep. So this is one shot uh, tabletop role playing. Uh, typically, sessions take between two to four hours uh, to play, uh, but everyone dies at the end, so you've got sort of that one shot experience, but with a lot of replayability, playing with different monsters and different settings every time you play. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. I'm here with... Diane Sauer. And your game is? Pinball Showdown. All right. So how does this play? Uh, basically, you're all pinballs doing multi-ball. Okay. That's the players are the actual pinballs. We're trying to score the various playfield devices. Okay. And complete combination cards. And maybe engage wizard mode so we can get some double scoring in there. And avoid draining. Uh, we want to be the pinball at the end of uh, multi-ball that, that has scored the most points. Awesome. And is it, how many players can it handle? It is two, it's two to four players, um, and it takes like 30 to 45 minutes. Once you, once you get everything down, you, it's going to be a 30-minute uh, game or, 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 or less. Awesome. And I notice you have a CT Fig Best Artwork Award over here. Yes, thank you. Uh, it's... Uh, the artwork is actually uh, photos of various pinball machine parts, uh, pinball machines that I've restored over the years. So I actually did the photography for the, for the game. Awesome. That's really neat. That's, that's a part of a pinball machine you don't always see from the inside. And this is already released, right? Yeah, this came out in June. Um, it was on Kickstarter in February. Um, so it's available. It's in distribution, so it should be available in, in stores or, vi or, or obtainable at least. Um, and uh, or our website, just shootagaingames.com. Cool. And any other contact info if people want to follow along or contact you, Twitter, We're website, anything? Well, Twitter, uh, Twitter or Facebook, Shoot Again Games. Um, and uh, my email is diane at shootagainpinball.com. My other business is a pinball business. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with... Alex Garens with Lido Lab Games. And your game is? My game is called Shiki, and it's a drafting mechanic card game where it's haiku-themed. You're going to draft words and write a haiku over the course of the game. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and it looks great. Is this Thank the you. final artwork? The final artwork, uh, we're still making a few modifications, but for the most part, it's 90% there. And we're in pre-Kickstarter phase right now, so we're hoping to just generate a lot of interest, get people's attention, get a following on Facebook, and then when we go to Kickstart, we've got a, a lot of backers on day one. Cool. So, so you said it was a drafting game, but then how do you actually make the haikus and score? And yeah, sure. So it plays out in three phases. You're going to draft words, and then with those words, you're going to write the first line of your haiku. Then you're going to draft more words, write the second line, and then you'll do a final draft and write the third line of your haiku. When everyone's written their haiku, they're going to be read aloud by each of the players, and then the scoring is conducted and points are awarded based on uh, how well each player has developed the theme of their poem, there's one point to be awarded for each of the four seasons. 
and then points are also awarded to each player based on how well they hit the syllable count in their haiku. A haiku should be five syllables, seven syllables, and then five syllables. So they can get up to three points for hitting their syllable count. Highest scoring haiku wins the round, first to four rounds, or however many rounds you want to play, wins the game. So it's pretty quick, easy to learn, light on strategy, but it's fun and performative and a little bit silly too. Cool, sounds neat. And you said you're going to Kickstarter next year, you hope? Hoping early 2018, look for a Kickstarter. The name is Shiki, and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shiki Haiku. And Shiki is S-H-I-K-I. Cool, thank you very much. Thank you. And I'm here with... Nolan James. And your game is? Salvage Dimensional Collapse. And how's this play? So Salvage Dimensional Collapse is played, uh, it's programmable movement. You're moving ships around a grid. And uh, each of the cards has a very specific instruction on it. It might say uh, three, turn two, or four, five, six, or nudge one. These are all instructions that basically uh, manipulate your ship around. You're trying to collect ship parts, repair your ship, and escape first. You're in a volatile space-time bubble that will collapse as soon as one ship escapes. So it's an all-or-nothing race to be the first one out. Cool. And how many players does it handle? It uh, handles three or four players. And the playing time? The playtime is an hour 15, hour 30. And you said you're looking for a publisher, so you're just working through playtest now? Uh, yeah, I'm on final tweaks. Uh, pretty much I don't think a lot's going to change at this point. Um, I am looking for more publishers to be interested. I have a couple who are looking right now, but any, anybody else uh, would be great. Yeah. Cool. And any contact info if you want to follow along and see when it releases? Uh, you can uh, go to salvageboardgame.com. Or uh, the Salvage Board Game Facebook is a great way to get in contact. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I am here with... Sarah. And Ted. And your game is? It's called Prom. Like the dance in high school. And how do you play Prom? So Prom is a multiplayer tabletop game. Um, everybody who's playing gets a secret crush. And secret is the keyword there. Um, and you have a crush on one of the other players in the game. There are six rounds of prom. Um, each one is like a dance. Some are slow dances and some are regular dances. You want to try to dance with anybody, but if you dance with your secret crush, you get extra cool points at the end of the game. Um, and the whole point is try to get the most cool points by the end of prom night. But um, another thing you can do other than asking people to dance with you is um, gossip and try to guess who other players' crushes are. So if you guess correctly, you gain points and they lose points. Because so, they're so embarrassed. So um, you want to try to dance with your crush but avoid making it too obvious so that people don't guess who your crush is too often. And what's um, fun is that when you get to sort of the dance phase of each round, um, you can spend a flirt token to ask a yes or no question to your dance partner so you can get information about who their crush might be. And one of my favorite things in the game is if you think that your crush has a crush back on you, you have the option of declaring your love. And uh, that's the most points you can get in a single action, and everyone always feels really great when true love is found. Um, although it's also pretty entertaining when someone gets shot down. Yes. That's pretty much it. There are other um, little mechanics here and there to help you get extra cool points if you dance with someone cooler than you, that kind of thing. But those are the, the basics. We're still in a very early phase of development, but if you want to get in touch with us for updates, um, you can email us at promthegame at uh, gmail.com. Um, uh, or follow any of our social media. It's just at promthegame. It's easy. 
Cool. Well, thank you very much, and good luck. Cool. Thank you. I'm here with... Otto Metzger. And I am the designer, I'm the creator, I'm also the artist of Spell Scroll. And Spell Scroll is a game where you assume the role of a sorcerer. Unlike Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! or something, along those lines, you don't actually have any creatures. Instead, what you're doing is you're attacking your opponent directly with fireballs, ice bolts, things like that. They're defending. They can defend with a spell shield, arcane shield, these kinds of things, and then that would give them an opportunity to attack you back. So it's really fast-paced, quick games, back and forth, attack, block, attack, block. There's also some other more interesting things you can do. Um, there's conjure spells that will help you later on in the game that are more passive. The tricky part is, is that you're playing each turn with a certain amount of power. So even though a hand comes with six scrolls, you won't be able to play all of them. So you have to be really careful about what you're deciding to play with and really take into account what your opponent is doing and make sure that you're going to have enough power to defend yourself if you need to. Um, we're hoping to kickstart the game next year, so 2018. You can visit my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash ottometzger o-t-t-o-m-e-t-z-g-e-r and on there you'll find a free so you don't even have to donate a free print and play of two sorcerers that I have right now Krayash and Avara a fire and a shadow sorcerer and if you if you do that I'd appreciate it if you leave any comments feedbacks questions anything would be great and I hope you really like it cool well thank you very much and I'm here with Patrick Rowan of Starcap Games, and today I'm showing Now Everyone Get the F*** Out. In it, you're a college student who's trying to study for a final, but there's a huge dorm hall party happening right where you live, and now your room is full of drunk people. The only way that you can get them out is by making the other players' rooms look more fun and inviting than your own. So, in the game itself, you're going to have item cards, which you put on other players, and they raise your fun rating. If you have the most fun, you become the party animal, and your dice, which is the number of drunk people in your room, will go up one at the end of every turn, and you don't like that. You want to be the nerd, the player with the lowest fun, so that makes your dice go down at the end of every turn, and that's the good thing, because you want your dice to get to zero. That means everyone has gotten the f*** out. Are there any other questions that you... Uh, how can people get a hold of it? So it's going to be on Amazon in about a week. For reference, since this is a recording, that will be around October 1st. So if you look up, now everyone get the f*** out on Amazon, it'll pop up. You can also go to StarCapGames.com, and we've got that button everywhere. So you will be able to find it no problem. I am here with... John Cannon. And John, what's your game here? This is called Wing It. It's the game of extreme storytelling. And how does it work? Uh, well, one player is the judge, everyone else plays each round, so uh, the, the judge is rotating, uh, and uh, when the judge uh, starts the round, they turn over a situation card and they read it. Uh, the situation is some absurd situation that you might be in, and then all the other players have to look at their hand of five object cards, and they choose three of them, which will be the three that they use to deal with that situation. And so they take turns telling the story of how they deal with that situation using the three objects in their hand. Uh, it leads to some really bizarre and hilarious stories. Cool. And you're on your last day of Kickstarter now, so that'll be too late for our listeners, but where can they go to find it after the Kickstarter's over? If they're interested in this type of game, they can go to www.wingitthegame.com. Awesome. And any other contact info, Twitter or Facebook or anything? Yes. Uh, we are... Uh, on Twitter, we are Penguin Soaring. Uh, our, our logo, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, is a penguin with a jetpack. Cool. Well, thank you very much and good luck. Thank you. I'm here with... 
Samantha Petri from Poison Fish Games. And your game here today is? No Regrets, the game of art and poor life choices. Which is a hilarious name. So how does it play? Um, basically, it's a two to six player game. It's PvP style. And your goal is to be the most badass by the end of the game while everyone kind of looks lame. Um, it's basically you have a body of six body parts. Um, each body part holds about three designs each. And on your, your first action on your turn is to get a tattoo on yourself. It can be positive, it can be negative. Um, positives do come with a fee. Like you can get one, but you have to pay for it with another positive tattoo or a modifier. You just can't pay with a negative. Um, negatives are free because you probably know someone in someone's basement that will give you tetanus as well as a tattoo. Um, but that will open up your second action, which is free play. And that's where it starts getting really strategic and has that PvP element. You have modifiers where bad advice will allow you to drop a negative card on someone else. You'll also be able to transplant your limb if you don't like it. You can be like, I don't like my arm, so I'll take your leg. You can also lop off limbs, you can poorly draw items, you can fix items. So it, it really gets into a weird, like, friendly, tongue-in-cheek friendly, but go get them dynamic. So. Cool. And this already went to Kickstarter, and now it's out in retail. So how can people get a hold of it? Um, you can find us on Amazon. It also goes through Amazon Prime, but we also sell through Battlegrounds locally. We will be selling through the Castle in Beverly, and you can find us on our website as well. It's just poisonfishgames.com. Cool. And any other social media contact that people can follow you at, Twitter, Facebook, or anything? Um, absolutely. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I've started a Snapchat, but I don't really know how that links over. But, yep, you can find us on all the mainstream medias. And that's under the same name? Well, thank you very much, and good luck. Thank you. So, I am here with... Chris Rio of Cheer Up Games. And what's your game here? So, my game is Cheer Up. Uh, it's a, a great adult party game uh, to add to your fun, you know, game nights. It's great for a beginning or end of a night uh, when you want to, or you're indulging in, you know, some adult beverages and stuff like that. But uh, it's a game where the object of the, the game is to answer the dealer's question, but the, the twist is that you get to mix and match different types of answers. So... Uh, the question I'm looking at right here says, what did you bring home from your last vacation with an A and the B at the top? And what that means is all players have to draw cards that are A's and B's, and they get to choose how they answer the question. So they would choose, you know, maybe somebody chooses a wet roommate, and one of them's an adjective, one of them's a noun, you mix them together, and you make your own phrase. So all the questions have all different requirements, and there's also party rules that switch it up even more. So some of them make you sing your answer, or talk in accents, give you bonus phrases. And it's a ton of fun, it's super dynamic, and unlimitedly un, you know, replayable. You can play it a million times, and it's, it's perfectly fun. But it's a great addition to your game nights, uh, and we just did a Kickstarter in April, raised very close to $10,000. We're currently accepting pre-orders here, here at Boston Fig. And the release date we're looking for is around February 2018. So it should be out in a couple months, just manufacturing right now. Cool. And if anyone wants to follow along or get in touch with you, have any contact info? Yeah, you can check us out at cheerupgames.com. This game is actually 100% downloadable for free in a black and white version. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at cheerupgames, just like it sounds. Cool. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Kevin Carmichael. I'm the designer of Wager Words, the simultaneous bidding word game for three to six players. In Wager Words, you start off with a letter tray, three wild tiles, and a hand of boot cards. At the beginning of each round, you're going to draw 12 letter tiles from the draw bag and place them on your tray. 
You're then going to pass that trade to the player on your left, facing away from them so that they can't see it, but all the other players at the table can. At that point, each player is going to place a bit card face down below each one of the three uh, objectives, and that's going to indicate how many players you think are going to be able to spell words relating to each one of those objectives. After that, you'll turn around your trays, the timer will start, and you'll have one minute to spell words. At the end of that one minute, everyone shows off what words they've spelt. You'll get points for each word you spelt relating to an objective and for each bid you got correct. Additionally, if you had a bad round and you didn't spell a word for a particular objective or category or whatnot, uh, you'll get a wild tile to use for future rounds. The game lasts three rounds and in total is about 20 minutes. Uh, some of the other cool things in this is that words can relate to multiple objectives. So, for instance, if we had the adjectives cities and towns, animals, and six plus letters, if you spelt the word buffalo, you would score one point for each one of those adjectives. So you get three points. As well, you can spell multiple words for a particular objective. So, for instance, if you wanted to spell eel, cat, dog, and mouse for animals, you would get four points, one for each. The game is really interactive because uh, of the bidding, so you actually care about what other people spell. Because it's simultaneous, again, it's a rather quick game. You don't feel the pressure of anyone looking down at you, kind of, or, well, staring you down as you're trying to spell words. Uh, you know, the letters don't matter in terms of the, the scoring, like through Qs and Zs and all that. Don't, it doesn't matter if you use those or not. They're not worth more points. So in this case, because you're actually just limited by the number of tiles you have, uh, smaller words are a whole lot better. This game seems to go over really well with people who don't particularly like word games. It's basically the word game they want to play with their spouse or friend or whoever it is who really likes word games because they'll actually enjoy it regardless of how they do. They enjoy the experience, they enjoy that it's interactive. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. I am here with? I'm Brian Kaufman. And your game is? My game is Rainbow Quest, the journey of your lifetime. And how does it work? Well, it's like a traditional board game where you roll the die and see where you land. And depending on which color of the rainbow you land on, or if you land in the closet, um, that describes the kind of activity or challenge that you need to do in order to advance. So the very first square on the board is actually the closet. If you land in the closet, you have to tell a coming out story to advance. A lot of non-gay people have shown up to try the game and they say, well, how can I tell a coming out story if I'm not in the LGBT community? And I'll say, well, here you are in an event for LGBT people and you're not gay yourself. So you're probably, in some people's eyes, gay by association. So hasn't there been someone that you've wanted to date, but they've assumed that you were queer because you hang out with other gay people? Haven't you ever had to say, no, really, really, I'm straight, I would love to go out with you. So that's one form of coming out if you're not gay. Or you might say, I have a gay child or a gay parent or a gay cousin. And for people, um, they're a little nervous about admitting that. So that's a form of coming out. And if, if all else fails, you can come out as agnostic or vegan or gluten-free or anything like that. From there, if you land on a red space, you get a prompt that you have to draw. We call that freehand. And other players have to guess what you're drawing. So for example, you may have to draw the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and other people have to guess it. If you land on an orange space, um, it will be a quote about LGBT something, and it's your um, task 
to guess which of the two choices given actually made that statement. Uh, one of them would be, if I were to write that book today, instead of gentlemen prefer blondes, it would be gentlemen prefer gentlemen. Was that Anita Luce or David Niven? And the correct answer is marked by a pink triangle, and in that case, the answer is Anita Luce. For the yellow squares, when you land on that, it is called You've Got Talent. And in there, in that space, you have to use charades to communicate the prompt. So uh, one that comes to mind is, it's raining men, and you have to do that through charades. Or the um, film or the play Bent, about you know, Nazi uh, homosexual experiences in the concentration camps. So it, it can be difficult or easy, depending on what the prompt is. The green cards kind of give you a chance to breathe and not feel too challenged. They're cards called Just Between Us, and it's questions like, um, when was the first time you were aware that you might be a little bit different related to your sexual identity? Or describe your first same-sex date? Or did you ever decline a date because the person who asked you out you thought was maybe too attractive for you? And these are things that we don't think about a lot, but when you're prompted to, it brings back some really interesting memories that people are usually interested to share. The blue spaces are called crystal ball, make a prediction. And your task is to guess how the player whose turn it is would answer a hypothetical question. So um, you're driving down the road late at night, you see a car with its hood up, and the person appears to be gay, alone, and nervous. Do you stop and offer assistance, yes or no? The other players have to guess how you would answer it. If you match them, you move ahead one space. If no one matches you, you stay on that space and choose another blue card on your next turn. For the pink spaces, it's called unpinkable. And that kind of helps to teach pro-social and interpersonal skills to people. For example, um, it's like community chess. You don't have to really know trivia or anything else, but you'll be prompted with something like, um, let's see, oh, so distracting here, excuse me. Um, unthinkable. You are starting a new job and you meet an attractive stranger on your way into the new um, building. Uh, you later learn that this person is your new boss. Move ahead three spaces. Or you flirt with someone on your way to your new job. You later learn this person is your boss. Move, bo move back three spaces. So things like that. Um, or you go out with your friends for pizza and you say, hey, why don't we all put our cell phones away until we're finished here? Move ahead five spaces. Now, some pro-social skills. The purple space is the one that's most like Trivial Pursuit. And I have to admit, there are some really good gay trivia games out there. But if they're only trivia, people get really tired very quickly of feeling stupid because they don't know enough of the trivia. And so here it's your traditional questions like, you know, in what year was the first um, medical journal article on transsexuals printed in China? Was it 1980, 1979, or 1990? And you know, most people would assume it would be the most recent year. And in fact, even in China, there were articles on transsexuals in 1979. So it's a series of questions like this. It's gender neutral, um, all inclusive, and it's very uplifting and affirming and empowering. 
So while I think that campaigns like the It Gets Better program is wonderful in trying to stop LGBT suicide, I think that at the point that you are contemplating suicide, those messages may be just insufficient for really grounding you. And I like to think that this game is like a power tool for making it better. Because I have to say in every group that we've played this game with, everyone gets better. Every single person laughs until it hurts. They learn things they admit they never knew before. They go home and research some of the stuff that they were introduced to. And they, they say, even in groups of tight friends, they say, we thought we knew each other really well. And in one hour, I've learned more about them than I've learned in the past 10 years. So all in all, it's a game for um, LGBT youth. It's a surefire activity for their um, gay straight alliances. I work with LGBT seniors through SAGE, and they wish they had a game like this when they were growing up. And for many of these people, they've never played a game where you actually talk about the stuff that's been at your core your whole life, but you've never had a safe space to talk about it. So I'm really hoping that once we get just a little bit more feedback from the um, Game Makers Guild in Boston, that we're going to have our final prototype ready to go into manufacturing. Right now, we're still a long way from our um, fundraising goal. So we definitely need to raise a lot more money before it's widely available. In the meantime, people who do think this is a valuable and interesting resource can go to our website, www.rainbowquest.net, and click on the pre-order button, which is not a commitment to pay, but simply an indication of interest. And once the game is manufactured, we will gladly get back to you and offer you half price on the manufactured game. Uh, we do also have a link to our little GoFundMe campaign, which is mostly funding the prototype development. And once we gain a little more awareness through wonderful podcasts, I'm hoping that we'll be able to start our Kickstarter campaign without fear of running out of time before we meet our production goal. And then, once it's manufactured, I'm hoping that the world is going to be more affirming, uh, less violent. I'm hoping that more people will find the value in their own lives and in one another's lives. So um, from the response today at um, Boston Festival of Indie Games, I act, I'm overwhelmed. I cannot believe that from 9 o'clock until 4 o'clock in the afternoon right now that I have not stopped talking about this game. I'm absolutely intrigued at how excited people are that this can exist in their communities for the people that need it. Cool. That's awesome. You mentioned the website. Is there any other social media contact you have, Twitter or Facebook or anything? Um, yeah, we have a Facebook site. It's called um, facebook.com forward slash Rainbow Quest game. And our website is www.rainbowquest.net. And on there, there are links to our GoFundMe campaign, um, links to testimonials from experts and leaders in LGBT education um, who will say this is one of the most wonderful things they've seen, one of the most well-researched and well-rounded um, activities they've come across. Um, you'll see people actually playing the game. There are video clips of that. And you'll see a lot of information about how the game is played. So I do hope you'll check it out. I hope if you know anybody that would be benefited by knowing about this game or having it in their resource library, please go to our website, indicate your interest by pre-ordering. 
And if you can, if you're able to, if you know Ellen DeGeneres or Dan Savage personally, please say, hey, why don't you write a check to Rainbow Quest and make sure that everyone who needs this game has access to it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, and good luck with the game. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your interest. I am here with... I'm Corey from uh, Syzygy Studios. And what's your game, Corey? Our game is called Cake Duel. It's a light uh, two to five minute bluffing game for two players, and it plays really fast. The whole point of the game is you're leading an army of sheepies, and you're trying to steal each other's cakes. So you play cards back and forth in order to take all the cakes from your opponent. The artwork looks really cute. Who did it? So our, we, we try to do everything in-house, so the design and the art and the publishing are all done in-house. So we're a self-published studio right now. So Ruen Liu is our, uh, our game, our studio's primary artist, and she did all the, the sheeps. Cool. Awesome. And you said you already finished up your Kickstarter. Any idea when it'll be in retail? The uh, target delivery for manufacturing finish is around December, and uh, distribution TBD sometime in 2018. Cool. And any contact info for people who want to follow along and find out when it's out? You can either follow us at Twitter at our at Syzygy Studios, uh, at Syzygy Studios or just check out CakeDuel.com, which is probably easier to type and remember. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here with... Hey, Jeff Johnston, Parajax Games. I'm a local game designer, and I know Chris from the uh, Game Makers Guild. So I'm here at Boston Fig showing off a couple of my family games. I've been here a while showing a game called Moonquake Escape. Uh, but I decided to take a break from that and just show some of my other family games. And so some of these are published and some of them aren't published. Uh, but uh, one game is a game that GameRight produced called Flashlights and Fireflies, where your kid's playing Flashlight Freestag at night. You can find that online on Amazon. GameRight published that one. So that's a fun one for the younger kids. Uh, another game called Toasted or Roasted. You're trying to light a campfire and toast three marshmallows to win the game. Of course, everybody else is trying to turn your marshmallows into blackened crisps. So that's Toasted or Roasted. And Education Outdoors has done that. You can find that in gift shops of, say, the Grand Teton National Park uh, or Amazon and things like that. And I also, at this event, um, brought a prototype with me. It's, it's a yet-to-be-named game. I think I'm calling it Leaf Me Alone. Uh, I'm trying to do a game for each season, you know, a little nostalgic kind of thing. So this is a game about raking leaves but it's mostly a game about jumping into piles of leaves. And so I've been able to sit a couple of players down with this and, and uh, get some feedback. And I got, I got some feedback where I knew I'd get some positive things and I saw some areas that I, I need to goof around with. It's on this uh, kind of, you kind of strike the back of your rake and your leaf tiles go flying across the board as you jump into your pile of leaves, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at a table next to you when you were playing this at a playtest meetup. And tiles kept just flying through the air. So exactly how does this game work? All right. Well, basically, it's a, a press-your-luck mechanic at its core where you're trying to match the shape of a leaf and a color. And so the game mechanics gives you some options on how to change which shape or which leaf you're going at. And you try to collect ten leaves. And first you try to collect one that matches, then two, then three. So you can go further. Uh, and try to get to that. And if you get to a safe point, you can stop. Now, if you want to try to press your luck and get a little bit further, you know that every leaf on the board shares a common characteristic on its other side with one of its facing sides. So if you had a red maple, you would know that on the other side was either a, a maple of another color or a red leaf of another shape. And so you can use that information to take a guess and maybe make that extra match that would get you one step further to a safe thing, right? So if you achieve your goal and you're trying to collect four of these piles, 
you uh, you'll win the game, right? And if you if you fail to make one of those safe points, you jump into your pile of leaves. If you succeed in reaching one of those safe points, well, and collect your card, you jump into your pile of leaves. So there's a lot of jumping into the pile of leaves, yeah. And actually at the Game Makers Guild, I, um, I was looking for some areas. I knew I didn't know whether there was going to be a, uh, a dexterity part of it. And we kind of settled on a dexterity part and figured out how to work that in to the game thematically and not make it very complicated. And that was simply, you know, if you could get one of your tiles into the center of the board, that would be the dexterity component. And then... Uh, from there, kind of a reward for doing that was getting a tile. And actually, I decided the other day that maybe allowing you to take that tile from another player added in the little player-to-player -player interaction that wasn't quite there yet. But this is a game under development, um, you know, and that's what B-Fig is about. A great set of players come here. They're looking to try new things. They don't really care if it's a, a great game or a halfway-baked game or whatever. They're really, they're really open to trying new things. And so that's really one of the things I love about Boston Fig. Cool. And any contact info if people want to follow along with this new development and your other games? Sure. You can uh, find me um, on Twitter at, at pairofjackgame. Um, and then I have a website that is just not well maintained. But, uh, you know, jeff.johnston at pairofjackgames.com. Send me an email, and I'll be glad to hook up with you somehow. Right. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Chris. I am here with Evan Schultz. And your game is Discount Dungeoneers. So how does this game work? Uh, this game is a very, well, at its core, it's a very simple bidding game. Uh, it has some interesting flavor over the top. So the idea is you work as a minimum wage dungeon delver, and your performance review is coming up. So you and your friends are trying to outdo each other as you clear out the dungeon, uh, try to grab the best monsters and loot, and make sure your friends are the ones falling in the traps. In practice, the way the game works is we flip over a dungeon card. The dungeon card will say, like, Bag of Gold, Tome of Magics, uh, Angry Dragon some such. Uh, it'll tell us whether the highest or lowest card played is going to take it, and at the bottom it'll tell us how many points it's worth. Then we all look at our hand of seven skill cards, numbered one through seven. We choose one that we're going to play face down. Once everyone is chosen, we reveal them. The highest or lowest card will take the dungeon card, depending on what the dungeon card says, of course. But all of the cards have special abilities on them. So, for example, the wizard, when he plays his five, it's not just a five, it's his polymorph spell which turns the cards that are that which turn the cards that are won by the highest into the cards that are won by the lowest and vice versa. So he can turn the whole round upside down. There are five different characters right now. A warrior, a priestess, a paladin, a wizard, and a thief. And they all play very differently. Uh, regardless of how many people you're playing with, it usually takes only about 30 minutes to play a whole game. Cool. And you said this is in development, so you're not ready to release yet, but is there any social media context people can follow you on, Twitter, Facebook, email? Uh, right. Not at the moment right now. Uh, we are putting something together. It should be under the name Discount Dungeoneers if people want to look for it in a few months. Uh, in the meantime, we do have a mailing list. If people really want to get a hold of us, uh, they could email me at weirdevan at gmail.com. Cool. Thank you very much, and good luck. Thank you. I am here with... Andy Jeremiah with Foxmind Games. I'm the game designer of Brewdice, a brand new game, fast, simple, light game to drink with your, to, uh, to play with your friends while you're having a drink. Um, everyone gets three dice. You have a, a snack dice, a beer dice, and a coaster dice. You flip over a card, and you have to match your three dice to what's on the card. Every card has a different beer, either beer bottle, beer can, beer glass, a different snack, pretzel, popcorn, peanut, or a different coaster. First person to match their dice to the card grabs the card. First five card wins.
Very simple game. Uh, just made it on Amazon last week. It'll be in game stores in the, probably the next couple weeks. Awesome. That sounds very straightforward. I don't know if I have any questions. <laughs> uh, where can people get in touch with you if they want to follow along website or Twitter or Facebook? Yep, anything? Sure. Uh, Brewdice.com and uh, at Brewdice. We're on, on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you very much and good luck. Great. Thanks for stopping by. I'm here with... I'm Harold Seip, uh, art director with Small Monster Games. And Harold, what's your game today? Uh, so our game today is Takeout, uh, the card game. Uh, the game theme sort of supposes you're a American backpacker in China and you're trying to order a meal. Uh, so it's a social set building game. It's pretty fast-paced, um, sort of mean, but party game, two to four players. Um, each food has a flavor associated with it. And the point of the game is to collect all six flavors. The first person that gets there uh, and has all the flavors in their meal wins. Cool. And you said this is already on the GameCrafter right now, so people can buy this right now if they want to? Yeah, it's available uh, from the GameCrafter online. Uh, if you go to our website, smallmonstersgames.com, uh, you'll find a link from there. You'll also find the rule set, uh, a lot of um, sort of in-progress development stuff, so it's a great resource. Check it out. Get a sense of the game. And any contact info for Twitter, Facebook, email, website, any of that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I mentioned smallmonstersgames.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash smallmonstersgames. And you can find us on Twitter at small underscore monsters. Awesome. Well, thank you very much and good luck. Thank you, sir. I'm here with... Mike Ganeed. And what's your game, Mike? Uh, my game is Maximum Apocalypse. It is a roguelike adventure game for one to six players. Uh, the game comes with uh, different classes of characters, so every player chooses a class to play with, and each class has their own deck of unique cards, uh, gear, and abilities that they can use. So we have people like the fireman, who has a lot of health and is mighty with an axe, so he obviously wants to get that out, and then he chops things down close range. Uh, and then there's different apocalyptic scenarios that you can play through, so you can play through zombie apocalypse, or nuclear holocaust, or rise of the machines. There's four base apocalypses in the in the core set. So that's the quick pitch. Cool. And you said it already finished on Kickstarter, so when do you think it'll be released? Yeah, so we finished on Kickstarter back in the spring, uh, and uh, it's being manufactured as we speak. So on the plus side, it's all out of my hands at this point. On the negative side, it's all out of my hands at this point. I'm completely beholden to customs and everything else. But uh, my manufacturer is really good. They've told me that everything will be finished. Manufacturing, October 10th. So then we'll start that customs clearing, sitting in a tanker, ship coming across the sea sort of stage. So I think it'll release maybe to Kickstarter backers before the end of the year, but probably not like widespread in retail until early 2018. Cool. And any contact info if people want to follow along and find out when it's out? Sure, yeah. So uh, we're Rock Manor Games. So you can go to rockmanorgames.com or you can search Maximum Apocalypse on Kickstarter. And there's a link there to pre-order it still if you're interested in checking out or watching videos. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for talking to me. I'm here with... Josh Fuel. <laughs> and what's your game, Josh? Our game is uh, Shadow Strike Melee. It's a quick three to nine player game. It takes about five to ten minutes to play. It's about cards that you hold face out so you can't see them, but all your enemies can. So you're fighting each other with cards you can't see, but as you get closer to being eliminated, you get to take cards face in so you can see them. So when you're closer to being eliminated, you are also a more effective fighter. And you mix that in with items that help you make the odds in your favor. For example, there's a shuriken that forces you to pick the other player's card and make them play it. Maybe you see a zero in someone else's hand. You can make them play it, then you can play your own card. 
stuff like that. And that's about the spiel of the game. Cool. Uh, you have any release plans yet? We are releasing on Kickstarter November 1st. Awesome. And any contact info? Anyone wants to follow you or get ready for the Kickstarter? Yeah, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And um, our website is www.pfungames.com. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I'm here with... Hi, I'm Ari Sporn, and I am uh, representing Status Report from Offcut Games. We're a social deduction game for three to seven players. We have our Kickstarter launching in November. Cool. You want to tell us how the game works? Sure. So it is a simple uh, deduction, social deduction game for three to seven players. The role, uh, object of the game is that the uh, one player plays the captain, and the other players are the AI aboard the ship. The captain must determine which AIs have... Uh, are malfunctioning and killing all the crew before all the crew on the ship are dead. So uh, basically the captain has to determine who is telling the truth and who is lying. Cool. And um, how, many, how many players is it? It supports three to seven players. Um, yeah, oh, sorry, let me back up. It supports three to seven players. Uh, when you get to six or seven players, we actually add another role to the game. The game gets more complicated. Um, we add a science officer, which is trying to capture the rampant AI, uh, as opposed to determining who is uh, the operative one. So he's got his own separate wing condition, independent of the captain and the AIs aboard the ship. So it adds another layer to the game. And you have release plans for it yet? Yeah, sure. So uh, the game, we're going to be running a Kickstarter in November. We hopefully plan on being released a few months after that. And uh, should be retailing for about 20 bucks a copy. Cool. Awesome. And uh, lastly, any contact info if anybody wants to follow along? Uh, sure. If people want to find out more about us, they can go to offcutgames.com or follow us on Twitter at offcutgames. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I'm here with? Adam Watts of Carpe Omnis Games. And what's the game you're talking about? Uh, I'd like to talk about No Honor Among Thieves, which is the game that I had at the Boston Festival of Indie Games last year. It was in Kickstarter at the time. Kickstarter ended very well, raising $46,000 on a $28,000 goal. And currently is, fingers crossed, slated for publication in December. Uh, January, at the very least, for the retail release. I'm going to be getting it to Kickstarter backers in December. Uh, the holidays will probably interfere with me, like actually saying everyone can buy this right now. It's still available for pre-orders for like a couple of weeks until the end of November. Uh, it's a game where every player is running a gang of thieves in a fantasy city, trying to end the game with the most money, having stolen from the rich and powerful. Going on heist by yourself gets you the most money. Going on heist with other people makes it a lot easier. There's some that are impossible to do if you work by yourself. Going out with other people also opens you up to the possibility of betrayal, however. So it's kind of a balancing act there. Do you betray, stab someone in the back and get more of the money for yourself? Or do you work together and get less money, but don't prisoners dilemma yourself? Because once someone betrays someone else, the Thieves' Code of Honor is broken, and everyone gets access to additional underhanded abilities. Character cards get new powers. Certain scheme cards that people play get harsher abilities. The doctor starts killing people. The assassin starts murdering fellow thieves. The pickpocket starts stealing from everyone. The grave robber gets money every time a character dies. <laughs> that sort of thing. And so that's been, that publication's been going on with that for the past year or so. I actually thought I would have it out initially in May. Things got delayed because it's the first time I've done this. Uh, hopefully things are going to go better with the second time around, go a little faster and smoother. 
Cool. Uh, any contact info for people to follow that game before it releases? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at CarpeOmnis.com. That is the uh, company website, Carpe Omnis Games. I'm on Facebook at Carpe Omnis Games, Twitter at Carpe Omnis Games. <laughs> and uh, you can reach me by email at adam at carpeomnis.com. Also, if you go to nohonoramongthieves.com, that'll take you right to the current homepage for the game, where you can pre-order it, check out art. We have some fantastic illustrations. I have the privilege of working with some great artists on this, and I'm really happy with the work they put out. I've put up a lot of it online. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for stopping by. Well, that does it for this episode of the Board Game Workshop. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theboardgameworkshop. You can find us on Twitter at thebgworkshop. You can find my blog at bluecubeboardgames.com. And you can find the show notes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.